Good morning. Let's pray together, please. Lord, I praise you that you, um, you do call us higher, that you call us deeper. May we go where you lead us. Lord, what a great song, what great words for our pursuit of you, for our pursuing the depth of a relationship with you and that intimacy with you. I pray that you would speak to us today. In your name I pray, amen. Well, last summer we had the opportunity to go as a family to New York. Uh, I have a son that was graduating from high school, and it was kind of our last, potentially last big um, summer vacation with, as a family. So we went to New York, and we were walking around Central Park, and um, we'd been walking most of the day, and, and our kids were getting exhausted. I have a son who's 18, 18 at the time, he's 19 now, and a daughter who is 14 at the time, 15 now. And Yeah, that's the way the math works. And uh, so we were walking around, and they were getting tired, and they said, ah, oh, can, can we just, you know, go back? And I said, well, Mom and I want to walk through Central Park. Why don't you guys sit here, and we'll um, go down and around the place and come back and pick you up. Great. So we... We started walking, and we came around the corner, and there was a musician playing in the, in the, just by a, a little tree there, and yeah, just on the street, and so we stopped to watch. And I stood there, and I looked over, and I thought, I think that's Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis being an actor of diehard fame. He was in Red recently, if you don't know who he is. But I stood there, and I thought, yeah, I think that guy's Bruce Willis. And so we listened to the musician until they get done, and everybody walked away, and I heard the musician say to the people in front of him, yeah, I know, I saw him too, and I, yeah, I wasn't sure what to do, I didn't know if I should stop or whatever, so clearly I thought, well, I think I was right, it was Bruce Willis. So we walked back to my kids and picked them up, and we go, hey, guess what, we saw Bruce Willis, and Ben goes, I wouldn't mind seeing Bruce Willis, I go, well, let's go see if we can find him. So we just kind of wandered up the direction he was heading, and we came up um, to a section that had a little kitty area where there was water coming in. Um, and there were adults there too, and so we went and sat down and had just water, um, you know, bubbling up and took our shoes off, and it was incredibly refreshing. And I sat there and thought, how refreshing is it that just a little bit of water can be refreshing like that? And then I marveled that Bruce, because I call him Bruce, um, was standing there, he was doing the same thing, and he was playing with, I, I assume it was his kid, and so you'll see, the first thing I noticed is that that's me in the front and that's Bruce Willis in the back, and you'll notice we have similar fashion statement. <laughs> So I knew I was rocking the cargo shorts with the black shirt, but I didn't know famous people dressed that way. And so we sat there for a while and, you know, laughed about the fact that Bruce Willis was there and he had no clue who, you know, we were. And, but mostly I was remarkably refreshed by that water. And we left that park and just felt like, boy, I, I'm re-energized. But I knew in my heart that I was re-energized until I got to the next subway station or until I got to the pool when I could jump in an actual pool and um, refresh my whole body. Because sometimes we feel like, yeah, boy, if we can just get our feet wet, it, it, it's life-changing. And yet it's not the same as a deep pool. And so, which reminded me of a kiddie pool when we were thinking about that. So I brought a kiddie pool with me this morning. Um, and so I, when we had little kids, we had a kiddie pool. Now, we had the blown-up, blow-up one that's like several times larger than this one, just because we're quality parents. And then um, <laughs> we'd put it in our backyard, and the part I liked the best is we, again, because I'm a quality dad and I'm invested in my child, I, we have a walkout in the back, and so I would go and hook the hose to the laundry sink, run it out through my ba- basement, out the back door, and we could w- do warm water in the kiddie pool. I told my daughter I was going to share this story, and she said, I don't remember it ever being real warm. I said, well, it wasn't warm, but it wasn't freezing. If you have ever done kiddie pools and you just, the water that comes out of the holes, you know, kids are little, they don't have the 
the body mass that some of us carry around that makes us, gives us a little body heat. And so kids just freeze. And so I, I spent the extra energy, and even that. You know, the beauty of a kiddie pool is it, it really is an easy, efficient thing. You need a flat surface and some way to get water in there. You don't have to dig holes. You don't have to pay big money for maintenance. You don't have to do all of those things. If it breaks, you buy another one for nine fifty-eight or whatever the price is. Um, so we would do kiddie pools in the backyard, and we could have that bad boy up in 10 minutes. We're, we're swimming. Kids are loving it. Well, there are limitations to the kiddie pool. There's no actual refreshment beyond the four inches that your body comes in contact with water. I mean, maybe you can sit down, but it's still four inches, whether you're sitting down or standing up. You can't dive. There's no option for moving to another level. Um, and it really is appropriate for a small child learning to swim or getting to, uh, comfortable with water and, and being comfortable with that swimming experience. And the last several weeks, we've been working through a sermon series called Unexplainable. We've had some great um, speakers that I encourage you to go back and listen to if you haven't. Uh, I just want to give a quick advertisement. We have a live stream hooked up for our service. So we're live streaming in this service right now, which if you are not familiar with computer lingo, means you can go on the computer right now and watch me talk. And so what we do is we have a live stream, but it also records. And so you can go on our website at any time and watch previous Sundays that were live stream, and so it's really not live anymore. It's the recorded live stream, but it's called live stream, so we got a little vocabulary problem there. But other than that, um, you can go back and watch different weeks. Share, sometimes you want to share with others and say, hey, I saw this sermon. I want to share that with you. You can watch it again yourself. Some people I know like to kind of process and, and think through that and learn on a deeper level. You can see it if you missed it. Uh, a lot of you are traveling or out of town. In fact, today, uh, Kevin Campbell, who is our family ministry pastor. His family is visiting uh, Brandon Katie Keel up, in, up north at their cabin. So, hey, Campbell's, Keels, thanks for joining us. They told me they were going to sit during the service and watch the live stream just because they wanted to be here with us this morning. But that's a, it's a really neat feature, and we've had over 100 views um, for the last uh, several weeks of that sermon series, and so it's really something that's valuable, and we don't talk about a lot, but I want to encourage you that you have that option to go back and look at things. But we started the Unexplainable series with our lead pastor, Kevin Meyer, talking about the book of Acts. And Kevin talked about examples of unexplainable Acts, God stories in the book of Acts. And so Acts is really when the, the church starts and Jesus has died and, and, has gone, um, and has, the Holy Spirit is coming on the disciples and moving in all those directions. And really, Kevin talked about an encounter with God is really the, God's desire to be with his people. For those who have responded to him by faith, it's his desire to encounter that, for us to encounter him and, and experience them. And we saw, see that in the book of Acts over and over again. They so enjoyed and reveled in his presence that when, he walked, when they walked around, it, that presence of God kind of bubbled up in them, and people would see them in Acts and say, boy, they have something um, different about them through their faith and their actions, and I want to be like that, or I want to see what that is. And Acts is a great story of unexplainable God stories because God is doing some really cool, incredible things through people's lives. And God changes lives so much that it gets noticed. And oftentimes I think about things like Bruce Willis. You know, we see Bruce Willis and go, oh, I'm going to follow him, see what he does, see what he's like. What if our lives are like that with Jesus, where people saw us and said, you know, they're followers of Jesus. They believe in Jesus and have accepted him as a Savior, Look at how different their life is. I want to go see what that life looks like. 
I want to go see how to experience that. And God changes us, and that can be a personal reality or a church reality. And my prayer is that our church family, and just aside, when we use the word church family, we don't care if you're single, you're married, you're young, you're old. If you're coming to spend time with us and hanging out with us, you're part of the church family. And so we just want you to know you're invited to join our family. If you're here the first time, eighth time, 50th time, we consider you a part of our family. And we'd love to, for you to come and learn with us and enjoy and experience God uh, in exciting ways. But, um, and my prayer is, is for the church family that is people, when people look at us and say, there's just something different about those people at Why Is That Afraid? And it's not through anything we do or did, just like in the book of Acts. It was nothing special about those people, the disciples. A lot of them were just regular, everyday people who experienced God in powerful ways and experienced the Holy Spirit and worked through all that. And so our challenge as a church, I think, is, and as individuals, is how do we get to that point? How do we experience that? And if we're going to experience God on a deep enough level that people are noticing and life change happens, that's really different than a kiddie pool experience. A kiddie pool experience is just the beginning and relaxing. And if you're just brand new in your faith today and you just are figuring out who Jesus is and you haven't, you know, don't even know what this whole religion piece is and you've just kind of been pursuing spirituality but you don't know what's going on and you're coming to grips with the fact of who Jesus is, then the kiddie pool experience is probably right where you should be. But the kiddie pool experience is not a destination. God has deeper opportunities for us. And if we're going to experience those deeper opportunities, I think there's a difference between kiddie pool faith and deep end faith. People in the kiddie pool continue to have to be fed. People in the deep end learn to feed themselves. If you're coming to church and we have to go, hello, open your mouth, here comes the God stuff, and here it is, follow the airplane, I would challenge you that it's time for you to move out of that kiddie pool. People in the kiddie pool are really happy about heaven when they die. People in the deep end talk about how do we bring heaven to earth today? How do we experience Jesus today? Like the Lord's Prayer when Jesus prayed, Thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. People in the kiddie pool love God as long as God makes life better. People in the deep end are about my life making God's name known. Kitty pool faith loves church and being involved as long as I'm in control. God is my co-pilot. Deep end faith realizes God has always been in charge and will continue to be in charge. He is my pilot. I heard a story this summer that um, a man had his son died of SIDS when he was really young. And he went to the funeral and he stood up and said, it's okay for God to take my son because it wasn't my, he was just borrowing it to me anyway. That's a deep end faith of viewing God as being your giver of everything blessed you have and being in charge. And we see um, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it was a real common verse. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. God calls us to move beyond our kiddie pool experience where it's convenient for us. And say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And he will make your path straight. Now there's some realities about that. When I'm following God's path, I don't always understand why things happen totally. But I do know there's a God who's looking out for me. 
I do know that God is active and passionate. And he's for you. He is at work at your life, and he wants blessings for you. And God gives us an invitation to move to the deep end, where sometimes we're just over our head. But he's the person surrounding us with his peace and his patience. And I think God brings together little details of our life together to communicate that he's with us. And often that's the way we experience in in amazing ways that God's presence is with us. And it's really, if you think about it, unexplainable that God takes broken people and he turns them, if we turn to him, we experience refreshment and new life. Not a kiddie pool faith, but a deep end faith where we don't trust in our own understanding, but we rely on God's path, God's direction. Because God, God's path leads through the kiddie pool. There's a time and experience of saying, I don't know anything about it. I'm just super excited. God, I figured out who God is. But that path doesn't, the kiddie pool is not a destination. It's the path just going through to the deep end of faith. We see some, some exposure to that in, in a similar verse, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, that says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And the body of Christ simply is the people accept Jesus as their Savior. So if you have a faith in God, you're part of the body of Christ. And God gives different people with different roles a way, an opportunity to speak into your life to help us build up the body of Christ. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Does that sound like a kiddie pool faith? Or does that sound like a deep end faith? We're together, we're building each other up, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then he goes on, actually, and talks a little bit about that in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, who is the head of That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So as the body of Christ, we are reflecting the world. Are we reflecting the world, the full measure of Christ? The full measure of who he is, the full measure of maturity? He's inviting us to the deep end where he's at. And often in the deep end, that requires us to kind of get washed away some of the things in our life like ambition, like selfishness, our targets for success, and definitely wash away the control of our destiny. Because verses like Proverbs talk about trust in the Lord, he will make your path straight. And God sent, him, God sent his own son into the deep end by saying, I'm going to send my son to die for you to make it possible for us to have a relationship, to impossible, or make it possible to have encounters with God and unexplainable things. But one of the challenges, obviously, has to be, you know, it, it, do we believe it? The last several weeks, we've had people up here, if you missed it, go back in the live stream and watch that. Uh, but we've had Tani Cullen, who, who has a son who's autistic, who doesn't really speak, but through his, communicates through his iPad, told her to go to the Mall of America 
and talk to somebody about God who she'd never met. Come on. Do you not know we're German people here? We're Scandinavians? This is not what God does in our faith. We go to church, we sit in the pew, we, do, we give our money occasionally, we occasionally have some potlucks and a little hot dish. Seriously? We have a man, Ben Utak, who comes and says, yeah, I was a football player, and a woman said when she was praying, God told her to go tell Ben Utak, who she didn't know, that God wanted him to surrender his life to you. What? Who does that? We had a man named Reuben David, who's from India, who claims God speaking to people through dreams. People are being converted through dreams. How does that even work? I have dreams. They're weird. <laughs> and that's on a good day. And so there are a couple obvious responses to these stories. The first one is what I said, seriously, I, I don't know that that's possible. And secondly, I think there's a, if we, we can respond and say, well, if that is true, how come that's happened to everybody else? How come that doesn't happen to me? And first of all, these are theological questions that people much, much wiser than me have struggled with their whole, through lifetimes. And there are people that we see even in stories of Thomas who um, was one of the disciples who spent time with Jesus, who knew him, who knew he was talking about it, raising from the dead. The other disciples came to him and said, hey, he rose from the dead. And he goes, what? Until I put my fingers in his hands, I'm not going to believe that. Well, if you're one of those people, come hang out. Reuben David is... I think the man's telling the truth. I think for a six foot seven professional Super Bowl winning football player to stand up and go, yeah, I was in college, I wasn't following God, and some little five foot something girl came and told me to surrender to God. I think it's true. You don't say that kind of stuff. That's how it makes him sound weak. Six, seven football players do not like to sound weak. And so I think the, looking back at Ephesians 4, I think Ephesians 4 has some things to say about that. In verse 11, so, God gave himself some, so Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people, unity of Christ, on and on and on. And then at the end, verse 16, for he, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As a body of Christ, we all have work to do. And it's easy to put up the, the Tawny Cullens and the Ben Utex and the Reuben Davids up here and then follow them up with the Mike Brinkmans. And I joke because I go, seriously, well, how, how can I follow those people? I have no crazy story that happened to me. But that's okay because I think God gives each of us as each part does its work. As far as I can tell... Up until today, anyway, God, the way God uses me is he uses me to facilitate opportunities for people to come and put themselves in a position to be touched by God. That's how God uses me. I don't have any anticipation that I will stand up here and talk about miracles except what happens to other people. Because the God, way God speaks to me personally is I was a youth pastor for a long time. I get so jazzed. When a high school kid comes or a middle school kid comes and says, I figured out this God thing. I'm moving from the kiddie pool to the deep end. Are you kidding me? That's unexplainable. Why would you do that? Oftentimes it's fighting culture, fighting family, fighting expectations. 
And even today, I don't have that experience with me, but as I'm preparing for this sermon, God oftentimes says, yeah, like this. You, you know, let me show you. So I got a call. I'm on the board at Camp Shamanah. Camp Shamanah is the Evangelical Free Church camp up by Brainerd, and it does amazing things with kids. Just amazing. I can't say enough about it. And so I'm on the board, and so um, Herb Bloomquist, who's the director, called me one day and said, hey, I got to tell you this story. And this is an awesome story. So we have a wakeboard camp. Seriously, what church group Bible camp has a wakeboard camp? But Jesus is using that thing, and so we do a wakeboard camp. So again, Herb starts the story. Hey, I got a great story for you. We had this wakeboard camp, and this kid um, wiped out and bonked his head and had all sorts of concussion symptoms and couldn't stop throwing up. And I went, wait, 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 Herb, we have to talk about what is a good story in your life. (laughs) And he said, no, no, hang on. So they had a kid wiped out, hit his head, throwing up, concussion symptoms. They rush him to the hospital. They take um, x-rays, and they go, oh, this is not good. So they call St. Cloud, which is the next biggest hospital, and they send the x-rays there, and St. Cloud looks and says, yeah, this is not good. If this goes bad, you're not going to be able to treat them. We're not even going to be able to treat them. You need to get them to children's. So they uh, airlift them this kid, from whatever the local hospital is, down to children's. Can't stop throwing up, all sorts of concussion symptoms. They get into children's, they give him an x-ray, come out, there's nothing wrong with him. They released him from the hospital. Herb is talking to the grandma, because of course mom and dad are out of town, on vacation, and grandma's, and then he gets a call and says, yeah, we can't explain it, but he's fine. So I saw Herb this weekend, I go, hey, how's the kid, the wakeboard camp kid? And he goes, great, he came yesterday to pick up his car, because clearly he didn't drive away from the camp, so his car was still here, he had to get a ride up to get his car. He's fine. I don't know how that works, unless God is touching that kid in miraculous ways. I have a, uh, our church has a lawyer that we um, refer to, and we have legal questions or whatever, and we uh, meet once a year, usually in the summer for breakfast, just to kind of catch up on what's happening and risk management and all those exciting lawyer things. And um, so I was meeting with her. Her name is Janet Ampey. And Janet has Parkinson's and has for, had for several years. So she came in and we were talking. And I said, hey, how's it going with the Parkinson's? And she said, oh, really good. I had this surgery. And I need to apologize now. I'm not a medical professional. And I just use real plain words a lot of times, and so I apologize if I'm not describing this correctly, but um, she, her body shakes a lot because of Parkinson's, and that's kind of one of those characteristics. And so apparently they have this surgery where you go into your brain without putting you under by a... So they have brain surgery, and you have to be awake. Seriously? No, that's not a good idea. So you have to be awake because they start poking around, and that is the medical term. They start poking around in your brain. <laughs> and, and they have to find the exact spot, and they do something funky that deals with dopamine and makes your brain function differently, and it has a huge impact on the body and on the Parkinson's. And so the challenge is, you know, the way your brain works is the left half controls the right side of the body, the right side controls the left half. So you have to do it twice. And so she was super excited about the first surgery because it went really well, and now she's going to go back in for the second one. And so I said, great, and, and how'd that surgery go? Well, she starts telling me and, and says, yeah, 
I uh, got in and they were in, in, you know, in the middle of the surgery and the anesthesia started wearing off. And they said, yeah, sorry, we've given you all we can give you. We can't give you any more. Well, it turns out Janet, before um, she went in for the surgery, um, went to church and started talking to some people and they offered to pray for her and, so she, and not our church, but in different church. They do this a lot in other churches, I think, too. Um, they prayed for her. And she learned about surrender and peace and said, I came out feeling just peaceful about this and went into the surgery feeling peaceful. And so then once the, when she was in the surgery and the anesthetic was wearing off, and this is where I fade on the details a little bit, but somebody in the room was, would then tell her, um, Janet, peace be with you. And she said it was the most spiritual experience I've had because the peace of God just would flood over me. And then she said, and eventually then I just woke up in the recovery room and I have no idea what happened. I think God does some cool things. And some of you, if you're playing in the deep end of faith, will have that experience to you, happen to you. You'll be the Janet Ampies or the wakeboard kid and be able to say, this happened to me. Others of us will get a front row seat or a second row seat or whatever row you're sitting in right now. Because we see, if we start to talk with people about what is their God experience of being deep in their faith and not playing in the kiddie pool anymore, God does some unexplainable things. I think that we don't have to look any further than Jesus dying for our sins. Jesus coming and saying, yeah, you're important enough that I'm going to come and die. And it was not an easy experience. God, the Bible says Jesus went, God, if I don't have to do this, take it away from me. But if I do, then let it glorify you. And often, if we're going to get to that deep end of faith, we need to take some steps personally to get to that point. And Louis Giglio is a well, fairly well-known speaker, and I heard a video one time where he was talking about this, and he said, you know, some of us have to get deeper into the Bible, figure out who God is. You maybe have been worshiping and, and experiencing God, but you have a real little view of who God is. And so maybe your time is, is spent, I've got to recommit to getting in the Bible. Some of you maybe need to look at your behavior, your conduct, you know, how do we talk, what's our thought processes, and address some of those things that you know God has been saying, yeah, that's not really where you should be on that. Um, some of you, it's guilty pleasures. Um, and Louis Giglio, I love his definition of this. A guilty pleasure is something you know is worthless, but you're hooked. Some of us have things in our life where we know they're worthless to spend time doing that, but we're hooked, and we can't figure out how to do that. Well, you need to have God help you and pray, have other people pray, and some of you need to take that step to figure out how to get rid of those guilty pleasures. Maybe it's your daily outlook. If you're the type of person who walks around and says, yeah, life is dumb and I hate everybody, that's not really what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about rejoicing, even when there's hard times, even when there's difficulties. Some of you might be generosity. Is it all about me, or is it all about others? And that generosity goes well beyond finances. You have the opportunity to give to other people, to invest in them, but you also have the opportunity to give from their time, your abilities. And some of you, maybe it's an intimacy with God. I'm, I'm fascinated with the number of people that I meet that have spent their lifetime um, learning about the Bible, um, doing things, got the moral code kind of figured out, and I behave myself, and, and I do mostly what I'm supposed to do, and yet don't, have never really experienced the intimacy of God, the relationship that says, God, God, you are my child, 
And God wants to come and touch you in, 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 in encounters with you, him and, and grow in that experience. And so, and experience the Holy Spirit and what that does in, in, their, in your life. That's a deep end faith. And if you're in the kiddie pool with some of those things, and sometimes the kiddie pool, you're in little parts of your life are still in the kiddie pool as you're trying to swim in the deep end. And one of the things I was reflecting on is how many times do we have things in our life who slide back to the kiddie pool when we're not really noticing? Because I'm 50 years old and I'm struggling with some things now that I didn't struggle, I haven't struggled with in 20 years. What is that about? Well, I think stuff wants to stay in the kiddie pool. That's the comfortable place. It's the safe place. And aspects of our relationship with God, our aspects of our relationship with other people can slide into that kiddie pool because it's, it's less threatening. But it's also less dynamic and less exciting. And we, just an advertisement for some um, opportunities. You heard about some of the classes and stuff starting uh, in the announcements. Today, specifically, we have a table out there um, for Village Schools of the Bible. Um, there's a, it's a local organization, not associated with our church directly, but we have lots of people that have, um, that from our church have done this and connected with this. They have a table out there. They have classes that you can go, and it's kind of a college level or advanced level Bible study. If you are a person that says, I've got to get serious about understanding my Bible, talk to the village schools people. They do a nice job of challenging and figuring that out. Women's ministry has a table. They have Bible studies throughout um, the week, and they have a, a reflective retreat on, in October where you just come and focus on intimacy with God. You wander around the church praying. If that's something you need to experience, then I want to challenge you to do that. There's a table for connected families. Connected families is about parenting and, and family dynamics. And if you're in the kiddie pool with your kids and dynamics of, of understanding who they are and how you can parent, connected families is playing in the deep end. They're really good at what they do and have some really good people to, to speak into that. And we're going to have them come and do some trainings on Wednesday nights. Super excited about that. Sunday mornings, Wednesday, and that's just the tables today, those three tables. We have opportunities on Sunday, Wednesdays. We have prayer the first Wednesday of the month, 6 noon and 6. Um, if, if after the service today, if you want somebody to pray with you, we have people that will do that, experience God with you through that as well. And all we're talking about is providing some opportunities where you can put yourself in a position to be touched by God. Because you can come to our church and stay in the kiddie pool. You can do that. It's possible. You act friendly, you smile a lot, and you hang out in the kiddie pool. And every once in a while you experience that refreshment of four inches of faith. Or you can put yourself in a position to dive into that deep end. Because God gives, a, his path runs through the kiddie pool to the deep end, and it, he constantly has an invitation for you to come to the deep end with him. Come and experience him. That results in life change, that results in maturity, that results in building up the body of Christ. I'm going to finish today with a, I heard a challenge three times this summer. And so it's a big, it's probably a whole other sermon. It's a big theology question, but I just kept feeling like God kept saying, how about this? How about this? And so I'm going to say, how about this? What if God is using the hardest, hard things in your life to help you grow? Often we have things, whether it's sins or behavior or struggles or relationships that we just seem to be butting our heads against. And we can't seem to figure it out. And we just pray, God, take this away from me. What if God is using those things? And you know, whether he's causing those things or allowing those things to happen, uh, that's a whole other conversation and we can talk about those things. But if God is allowing those things to happen, what if he's using those to draw you closer to him?
And I heard then twice this summer, actually three times this summer too, I think, I heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Reuben David talked about it a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to look into that story, but I, I love the story and it applies well to my message. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are three guys that, um, if you don't know the story, it's in, Dan- in the book of Daniel, which is in the Old Testament. Go home, read it, look it up on, on the Google, and, uh, and don't spell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You got no shot, but go to Daniel 3, then they'll pop up. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in a situation where they were followers of God and were in the deep end in their faith. They were doing crazy stuff. And the king said, you know what, I, I think I'm a kind of cool guy. I think everybody should worship me. And so if you don't, I'm going to throw you into this furnace. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told, hey, you've got to follow him or, or worship him or you're going to get thrown in the furnace. And they go, yeah, we're not doing that. So bring, bring on the furnace. And so they get there and they say, yeah, it's fine. Throw us in the furnace, but we're still going to worship God because he can save us. And even if he doesn't, a relationship with him is important enough to, to die. What a great picture of a deep end faith. And so they throw him in, and they can see him walking around in this fire. They still go in the fire. God just changes the circumstances of that fire. What if the hard parts in your life are still the fire that you have to go through, but God changes the circumstances of that fire? Janet Ampey still has Parkinson's, but she learned and surrender and experience a peace in God that she's never had before. God didn't take away the fire he just changed the circumstances of the fire. I, th- I think that's an incredibly challenging perspective of life. And so today I want to encourage you, if you're in the kiddie pool, if you've just become kind of figuring out who God is, great. Enjoy that re- reflection. Enjoy the, the refreshment that comes from a new faith. But no, that's not the destination. And if you've been coming here for a while and 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 try, a part of our church family, we want to encourage you. God is clear. He wants us in the deep end and experiencing some unexplainable things as we each do our part to serve him, love him, and then experience him. And so we're going to move into communion this morning, and I want to call the band up. They just magically appear all the time. It's, it's kind of fun. But the band, come, and now they won't appear, and that'll be a challenge for me. But if we can have the band come up, I'm just going to have them play. Joel is just going to play his guitar for a minute, and it'll be an actual minute. Uh, one of my pet peeves is pastors to go, yeah, I'll give you a minute to pray, and like eight seconds later, uh, I'm talking again. So I'm going to give you an actual minute, and I just encourage you to come into God's presence with open arms, open hands, and say, God, tell me what you want me to do about this. Where am I at in this kiddie pool thing? What sins do I have to confess to you that, that I, need to, I need to deal with? What part of my life are you calling me deeper into that? And I love the song we finish with. Called, you've called me higher and you deeper. And Lord, go, I want to go where you lead me, Lord. And so I'm going to give you just a minute, and I encourage you to do this longer than a minute on another occasion or whatever, or why we're passing out the elements. But um, just give you a minute to think about that. We practice open communion here at Oysetta Free, which simply means if you have a faith in Jesus, you can participate with us. And we'd welcome you to do that. And so I encourage you to pray, pray your hearts for communion.